We are back for another episode of the Dirty Laundry Game Worn Hockey Podcast, episode number 18. Uh, we've done a lot of great podcasts so far, had a lot of fun guests and roundtables and things like that. Uh, welcoming another guest this week, Chad O'Neill. Chad is the uh, founder and operator of Skate Tech, Skate Sharpening Equipment Repair, and he knows his stuff. He has worked with the Blues. He has worked with the St. Louis Bandits of the North American Hockey League, a team that I used to watch here in Springfield uh, when they played against the Springfield Junior Blues. And uh, then he, cause he went to the big show with the uh, the St. Louis Blues and is now uh, running this amazing business. I've had the, the pleasure of Chad helping me out with some skates and some issues and uh, runs a hell of a business. Evening, Chad. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. Uh, tell you what, let's start first, just your, your background. What got you into hockey and then have brought you to, to this level now? I've just always been obsessed with hockey ever since I was a kid. I mean, started off with the like everybody playing street hockey with buddies and um, just kind of slowly graduated to ice hockey. And then uh, I, I became a ginormous equipment nerd, uh, probably about the age of 12. Um, I got to a point where I was going to almost every Blues game with my grandpa. And um, I wasn't really watching the players as much as I was looking at their equipment and uh, I don't know. It, it just, it was one of those things for whatever reason I was drawn to it. And, you know, back then there wasn't a whole lot of options for me, but you know, if I could hand stitch something or, you know, back, you know, everybody's using leather gloves and spray paint logos and, you know, stuff to look like pro gloves, just got into little stuff like that. And um, that's kind of what led me into uh, kind of the equipment obsession a little bit. And then uh, of course was a, a huge Brett Hall freak and, you know, blues growing up. Uh, being here in St. Louis, so slowly started collecting some uh, some stuff as a kid, and uh, had a few pieces. And then as I got older and and got a job and could pay for my own stuff, I started collecting a little bit more, and and uh, just kind of went from there. Finished playing hockey competitively, and then uh, got on with the St. Louis Bandits in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, won a Robertson Cup with them. Uh, was on with them a second year, and then uh, took one year off. Uh, I was working hockey retail at Johnny Mac Sporting Goods back when they were open and then uh, got on with the Blues in 2011. So I was with them till 2017. And uh, that was kind of it. And then I started this uh, this skate tech business. So it's been and, an adventure. And even at the at the skate tech level, because I, I follow your social media, you deal with pro guys that, that oh, send yeah. stuff to you and get get taken care of. But when when you and you know how the, the collector, you pay attention to stuff. You've been, you're in some of the groups and see kind of how, what collectors look for the, mm -hmm. the things, the, the, where the, the customizations. Oh yeah. When, when did you, st did you start doing a lot of those customizations when you were with the bandits on different things when players wanted stuff or was yep. it even playing mm -hmm. around before that? Um, I was, uh, I was playing around way before that, uh, just with my own stuff, uh, with some buddies gear. Um, and then it kind of got, when I got on with the bandits, uh, I was honestly, I was doing a lot more than probably the average equipment guy there. Um, I mean, it was, you know, tightening sleeves on jerseys and, um, you know, just shortening fight straps and I don't know any kind of goofy stuff you could think of with, uh, you know, gloves, whatever that I, whatever I could come up with to do myself, I try to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I was doing a lot more than probably the average guy, uh, at that level, but, um, then when I, obviously I got him with the, with the team, it, it kind of led into a whole new world because you got a lot more options with materials and obviously players get a little more picky and, and they're pretty fine tuned by then. So. And so, so when you went to the blues, were you doing more of the, the skates, the sticks, setting up those kind of things? Were you doing jerseys and all of it? Um, I was doing, uh, I was doing a little bit of everything. Um, uh, I was the third guy. So I actually kind of worked with the visiting teams as well. Uh, Picked them up from the airport, helped set up their room, um, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I did the, um, I did jerseys, socks, uh, you know, sewing holes. That's something we do after every practice, every game. You know, one of the first things I do in the morning, come in and make sure all the rooms are set up. And I'd sit down with a pile of socks or whatever from the night before. We'd patch holes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we had another guy that did quite a bit of the jersey stuff um, too. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, last minute, you know, we had, I remember one, well, twice we had some e-bug situations, uh, you know, trying to frantically stitch together a nameplate or, you know, throw a jersey together last minute, um, you know, crazy stuff like that. So 
Um, I mean, got guys like Ryan Reeves, you know, getting a fight and rip his jersey <laughs> all the way down the middle. And, you know, we were pretty good about carrying a second jersey or two in the trunk um, because for guys like him, just that stuff happens all the time. And instead of sitting there trying to sew something, just pull another jersey out and away you go. But um, usually we would try to make it work and might look kind of ugly for a period or two, but we'll get through for the game and then get him a new one for the next one. So, and and those are some of the questions that that we as collectors talk about is is yeah. those kind of things, especially the enforcers. And you may not see it quite as much now because you, that's that has that has died out down some. I know oh, yeah. Reeves is still having a, a great time in Minnesota now, um, and and everybody tries to go after his jerseys. But were there with your time with the Blues? Were there a lot of guys that that had backups or that were picky where they wanted? one every period or, or things like that? Um, not really. I mean, we, like I said, we had a, we had a few guys, a few of our tough guys. Uh, we would always have a couple in the, in the trunk waiting. Um, like I said, obviously Revo and, and a couple guys like that, but uh, um, no, I mean, you'd have your, your Verizon nights and, you know, whatever giveaway nights you would have. So you might have a guy wearing one or two different jerseys or whatever. I know, um, you know, Marty Berder, when he came in, he wore a handful of jerseys, you know, his first few games wearing a different one every period or whatever. Um, Cause obviously it's Marty Broder and every time he oh, played another record set, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we had some stuff, you know, rookies, that, that's a big one. Rookies usually kind of um, have a couple that they would wear so they could keep one. And then you, you know, I don't know, they sell one or whatever. Um, so yeah, you, you get a lot of that kind of stuff, but it was mostly like the giveaway nights, casino night stuff. Uh, we'd run into a lot of that. And like you gave, you gave an example of some of the rookies as I recently picked up again, the blues seem to be cleaning out closets again, yeah. uh, picked up an Eric Johnson rookie and uh, it's dated for a particular game signed by uh, Bert with a number three. We, I we were able to reach out to him and found out that that was Eric Johnson's third period for that particular game. Yeah. So I'm guessing he was going through just a ton, especially being the, yeah. being the first pick too. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. A couple, uh, I mean, I think Tarasenko too, I want to say, uh, if I remember right, I think he might've had a different Jersey for each period or two, something as long as I know he was kind of highly sought after guy. So, Oh, sure. And, and those, I know that the player would get some, the team probably keeps some to right. sell or, or charities and whatnot. Uh, did you have working with the players? Did you find guys were picky with wanting certain customizations or were you surprised by some of the requesters or were there some just off the wall requests for you? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of always knew coming in that there was some odd stuff. I mean, I had, like I said, I was such a nerd. I was, I was, you know, reading stories online and, um, you know, hearing stories from other guys and stuff about just crazy stuff guys would do with, you know, moving, oh, I, you know, cutting their glove and moving the palm in, you know, three millimeters and crazy, you know, just ripping certain padding out of helmets and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. The stick stuff was the craziest one. I was kind of known as the stick guru while I was there. Um, that was kind of my thing. I, I took care of a lot of guys' sticks. Uh, so anything from cutting them down, taping them, gripping their sticks, uh, their rubber grips or whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had Tarasenko is, you know, one of them, obviously he had a lot of superstitions with, um, with his equipment. He like a certain liner in his gloves. He, you know, he wanted his name in a certain color, on his cuff, you know, stitched and everything. And then, uh, you know, with sticks, it was, they had to be exact height and, you know, it, it just, he had all these weird quirks. And, uh, I mean, we had a ton of guys like that. Alex Steen was another guy. He was very particular with his stuff. Um, but it, honestly, it almost kind of makes your job easier sometimes because those guys, you get them so dialed in and they just don't change anything. And, and it's nice to have guys like, like Vladdy. I mean, he, he uses the same stuff forever. I mean, he's going to probably be like Crosby. I would think he's going to wear the same equipment his entire career and, you know, he just won't change. So, and, and you're right. That does, so you probably had, you have a template stick then for when his come in yep. and chop them all down to that. Yep. Pretty I know, much every guy has a measure stick. Yeah. Wow. I know Steens were always fun when you'd see them show up in a, in the shop yep. and be cut way down. It was oh, surprising yeah. to see how low those were. Yeah, he um so he actually had us uh for a long time um was just cutting them down and then he still liked the old wood knobs that Easton used to make oh, yeah. uh, way back in the day and uh so we'd cut them down and then he would put that knob in he just liked the feel of it and he would have a, a good handful of them and then at one point he kind of ran out 
And so uh, <laughs> my job at one point was to ask every equipment guy that came in or we go to their building, uh, if they had any of those old knobs uh, floating around. I think it was Florida had a, a bunch of them at one point, guys, through a season. And then I remember him telling me um, what, at the end of that year, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these knobs. I got to figure something out. And so we were kind of on a search for him, but just couldn't find him. And he actually uh, showed up at uh, camp uh, the following year. And he brings his bag in and sit, it just slams it down. It was, it just rattled. You heard all rattling like these wooden wind chimes. Like, what is that? And he's like, oh, you got to check these out. He opens his bag and there are hundreds of these handmade wooden knobs. Some guy in Sweden, like he's a woodworker, he handmade these knobs uh, for wow. him. And I mean, they were, they were unbelievable. Um, he did a really good job with them. So he used those for, uh, most of the year. And then he went back and that guy actually ended up getting a, I don't know, a CNC machine or whatever. And then making them the exact diameter of a shaft had his name engraved on them. I mean, it was really cool. It was, it was pretty phenomenal. I think I might still have a couple floating around. And would but, they end uh, up in the sticks that he, that they would sell or would he yank those out to continue uh, to use them? Sometimes, uh, sometimes he would leave them in a lot of times we had pull them out, uh, cause he liked to reuse them. Uh, he would tape them and then he just didn't want to tape up too many sticks. It was easier just to leave the the black tape on the knob uh, on the wood one and then just redo his gauze on the top. And then uh, so sometimes he'd leave them in, sometimes he wouldn't. But uh, I'd say the vast majority of them, we probably pop the knob out of. So you would usually see a lot of those. And So that's usually, why you'd see them cut down so short yeah. in the floor and wonder yep. how is he playing with such a short It makes exactly. sense. Yep, exactly. So him and his uh, is Yoda. His yes, Yoda. I was just gonna bring that up. You'd see it because yeah. first when you'd see fans come in the store, who the hell is Yoda? And then yeah, they'd have the who knew would have to explain that. So he got uh, he got that nickname. Um, I honestly can't remember what year that was. Uh, guys used to joke around Jane Schwartz a lot. Um, just he was. Uh, I remember one time, you know, the guys would make fun of him. He just says, "Our lack of intelligence sometimes, I guess." And uh, and I remember somebody said something one time and they're like, Hey, didn't you go to school? He's like, yeah, I went to, you know, Colorado college, whatever. And he's like, yeah, the Harvard of the West, you know, and we, they kind of always laughed. And at one point uh, we were sitting in the locker room and uh, somebody mentioned something about it. I don't know. There was like a, a, a eclipse or something going on with the moon that night or whatever. And somebody brought it up in the room, like David Bax or something. And he was like, wait, like, so what does that mean? And he started explaining what the eclipse was. And, uh, He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So like, you know, then he went his whole thing about how the, the earth is spinning and, you know, all of a sudden his like mind was blown and the guys just like laughed them all the time. So Steiner and, and them said that they were going to have a daily, uh, every day he would come in and they would teach him something new, you know, a life skill or whatever. And so he'd come into the training room and they'd talk about something and uh, Steiner one day came in and, and told him something. He's like, wow, man, how do you know all this? He's like, shorty. Cause I went to school and he's like, man, you're really smart. You're like Yoda or something. And then, and then it just stuck and he just that's started calling him Yoda fun. and that's, that's how it ended up on his sticks. So that's, that's why that's on there. That's, that's a fun story. And some of those kind of things you <laughs> yeah. don't hear. Um, right. Did you, I mean, I guess with, with some of this equipment and, and seeing you, you in the career that you've had, seeing the technology change so much has it has it surprised you or did did you like you talked about with some guys uh like tarasenko not just keeping their same gear until yeah. they're done playing did you find some guys wanted to to go to that new technology or, or were people really apprehensive as as newer skates and and lighter things came out yeah there's um again you got guys you know i keep bringing them up but vladdy just because he he won't change anything i mean when the uh, the quick change blades came out, where you just swap the blades in and out with a trigger, uh, he was one of the guys. I'm pretty sure he still is not wearing them. Um, there's a couple guys around the league that still want the old Bolton style, for whatever reason, um, you know. But he's not a guy. He doesn't like to take his skates off during a game and get them, you know, resharpen. He'd he'd rather you stone them 15 times and then try to milk it through a game if you can. But uh, you know, he's a guy that that liked to stay. Steiner was a guy that was pretty stuck with what he had and then you had guys like you know like dimitri askin i mean he was he was always trying out sticks um you know i mean vladdy tried a lot of sticks sometimes but he never used them he would he would get samples of stuff never use it or or guys would give him stuff to you know try to get him into their brand um but yeah there was a handful of guys that just you know alex petrangelo is one it seemed like he was always trying a new stick um, always kind of had to have something uh, new updated and whatever, whether it be a graphic or not, but 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys like that that uh, you know, I Brett Hall, you know, from all the stories I've heard, it was a guy like that that he always wanted to have the newest and try everything when it came out and all that kind of stuff. So and you mentioned Petro, some of the stuff that I've seen over his career in St. Louis and going to the equipment sales and that is he he started in Easton and then yep. when Easton went away, I think it was he was wearing a Bauer wrist guard so it said Bauer yep. but if you got the gloves everything else was still the Easton logos it was just right. were hidden and in such a way it was crazy to find some of those things did yeah. you have to do those kind of modifications or were they sent that way uh they most of that stuff they sent like that um you know Bauer purchased Easton and so a lot of that stuff was kept uh, within the the business so they they kept a few things around and just changed the cuffs or whatever for for like a year um at what point they cut the sticks off you know I remember you know, like Bortuzzo, for example, we use those, uh, oh, the Easton, uh, I forget the model of it now, but he, that's the white and black graphic he used for a long time. Um, you know, a bunch of guys around the league didn't want to get rid of those. And uh, I remember they came and said, listen, we're done making these as of, you know, this date. Uh, so you're gonna have to switch. So guys ordered, you know, some guys ordered like 12 dozen of them that thought they would get them through the rest of their career. And, you know, Jordan Leopold, he was another guy like that, that uh, he used those old Easton skates. They were just really, really soft. Or, I think he switched to CCM and um, he ordered, I don't know how many pairs of those skates and he'd, he'd milk them forever and, you know, thought he'd get them uh, through the rest of his career. And he did. They were soft and those wow. things were like slippers. But uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> funny story with him. Um, he got real agitated with uh, Ken Hitchcock at one point. Uh, because he was he wasn't dressing for games he was uh having a hitch was making him dress for warm-ups and uh he was like you know hitch i've been around a long time just you know cut me a break uh you know i'm not gonna take warm-ups and then have to go shower and everything else and you know he kept telling him no you're gonna take warm-ups and so one day he got real mad he came in the equipment room and we had this old pair of like tube chassis skates like you know bobby hall played with and uh hanging above our sewing machine he's like what size are those we're like i don't know like nine and he's like sharpen them up <laughs> and we're laughing he's like no sharpen them up i'm gonna wear them and he put these things on he went out for a, a skate in these uh ancient tube chassis skates he actually skated pretty good at them and, and nobody even noticed which was actually really hilarious wow. but, um, go back yeah. through pictures and see if any if any <laughs> caught that because that's yeah. hilarious i don't think anybody did no i don't think anybody did that was uh it was it was one of the funnier moments while I was there. He was a, he was a funny guy. Uh, and, and you mentioned too the the Easton Six. Was it Mike Green, the last one that like that was hunting yep. all the league? I think for the the S nineteen, even buying them yeah, from yeah. fans. Yeah, he yeah he did. I was around for that actually. Um, so funny story with that. He uh, he actually had like three of them left, I think. And he was, again, like you say, he was milking those things as long as he could. I mean, he was literally paying people on eBay and everything else to get those. And uh, I remember the, I think it was the Bauer rep, uh, went into their locker room in Detroit. And, uh, you know, he everybody was trying to make him sticks at the time to try to get him to switch. And he was right outside the room and he went to flex one of the sticks and test it and it snapped in half. And he everybody like freaked out like, oh my God, like can't believe he had like one stick left or, you know, whatever it was. But yeah, I, I was around for that. That was one of those. Uh, I mean, Yamir Yager did that at one point. Um, you know, I, I remember the first time he came in and had, I think it was 21 sticks uh, that he brought on that trip. And every one of them was like a different length. And and then he had a couple old like CCM vector sticks from way back in the day. And I guess he was going on eBay and finding old sticks just to try old stuff again, I guess, for whatever reason. But you know, he, he never, crazy. never really you, get a, you get an eBay purchase and you look at the shipping and it's him. Yep. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy how many times you see stuff like that. It's you, you'd never think in the NHL, but it happens. And I know you got you, your equipment guys talk between all the teams because if you got trades or whatever going on, had you been reached out before, or have you had to reach out to other teams saying, Hey, we're looking for this piece of equipment or this guy yeah. needs this particular thing. Do you guys happen to have it? Does that happen often? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, helmets, uh, that, that's a big one. You know, guys would want that old, uh, we actually had a, a good handful of them in the back still for a long time, but the old, uh, you know, H 52 or H T two or whatever that helmet is that yeah. like seen war forever. And, um, you know, you have to reach out and try to find those from guys. And, uh, you know, it, it just, at some point we were pretty good about, telling people no, you know, uh, Bert was pretty good about telling people no. I know there's other teams that, you know, they just, they, they give and give and give and, 
gets a little crazy at some point. You know, it's like the glove thing, like guys rotating gloves in between shifts and everything. I mean, we try to keep that to a minimum because some of it's, you know, the player's thinking more about his equipment than he is the game sometimes. But, sure. um, yeah, there's times you have to reach out again, like those those knobs with Steiner and, um, you know, elbow pads, shoulder pads. That was probably a big one. You'd, you'd have guys – one an old model, uh, you know, warrior shoulder pad or something that they didn't make anymore. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too often. Usually you could find something in a guy's bag and rebuild it if you need to. So, And you talked too with the, the changeable blades on the skates. Were you, once that really came into play, were there a lot of guys that wanted that switched oh, regularly yeah. during games? Yeah. Um, I can't remember uh, for sure, but I, I think we pretty much just told everybody at one point. I mean, my asset like uh steen vladdy and uh i think we had one other guy that didn't want to change right away but um and the ccm guys didn't change at all but all the bauer guys like we pretty much changed them right away um i mean and that was that was huge because you have you know uh petro changing blades out nonstop. jay bowmeister was a guy it seemed like he got his blades done every period i mean he was constantly getting his skate sharpened um, you know, he's getting a really deep hollow for a big guy. So for him to get him done as much as he did was, was kind of shocking. Um, and then, uh, you know, once the interchangeable blade thing came, I mean, that just, it makes a world of difference. We'd have six sets or so, you know, per guy, always sharp and ready to go. So you just swap them out and you can sharpen them later on. It, it saves a ton of time, you know, and then unfortunately, again, you had guys, Steen, who, uh, you know, just didn't want to change. He wanted that old bolt style holder. So, you know, when he goes, blows a tire and, you know, he's got to get a skate done, he's got to take a skate off. And Steiner well, wasn't well, a guy. Just... Time. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we, I can't tell you how many times he got yelled at by Hitch because he'd come off and, you know, he didn't want to, he couldn't just take a skate off. He had to take his shoulder pads off and his elbow pads and he takes his pants off. And then, you know, one skate and then the other, he's got to put it back on a certain way. And, you know, so we could be done in one to two minutes and we're back on the bench and Hitch is yelling and well, Steiner's still getting redressed. So, you know, we <laughs> had to have those, a talk with little him. things that those players want. And yeah. Do a certain way. Yeah. It's just, it's a routine thing for him and, and to throw one skate on without redoing everything a certain way, just, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right. So I, I get it. It's, you know, goalies, that's the toughest one. I think with goalies, it's, they can't really change that fast. So you kind of had to improvise sometimes with them still having their pads on or, or whatever. And did you do much with it with the, the other goal equipment other than their, their skates? Um, no, um, uh, our, one of our other guys, he was kind of like the goalie guy. It seemed like he did a lot of goalie gear. Uh, most teams kind of have like one guy that's really just the goalie guy per se. Um, you know, we would do some stuff, but, uh, for the most part, they always have one guy that did it. But, uh, I mean, during my time, honestly, like most of our goalies are pretty good. There's a few things they'd ask for with, you know, maybe adding or subtracting some padding here or there. Um, you know, where they can, the, you know, what that was legal, you know, cause K sure. Whitmore obviously had to approve all that stuff. So there wasn't really much you can do that, uh, without having to send it to approve to him. Um, so a lot of our guys are really good with stuff. I mean, they might, they might get a new glove or new blocker. Um, but there wasn't a lot of like alterations, you know, maybe like an inner pant belt or something goofy on a pant. Uh, but our guys were pretty, uh, mellow with that stuff. Um, you know, Yarrow and, guy he's probably honestly probably the most high maintenance guy kind of so to speak uh during my time just because he went through a lot of pads um i remember one year we had an equipment sale and i think we had 15 or 16 sets of his pads wow. uh for sale and uh I, I think we actually talked to the his rep at one point and you know we we're like hey uh i think we owe you for some pads and he's like oh no no actually we owe you some pads he, he had this deal worked out with Brian's and they just kept funneling gear to him. I mean, he would call a guy directly and just be like, Hey, just give me another set. So, um, you know, which is funny. I actually, I listened to one of your uh, other podcasts and I think it got brought up about, um, guys cleaning goalie pads. And he, he was the first guy that I remember seeing do that. Uh, he would take his pads and he would go sit in our equipment room. He'd take a big bottle of, uh, you know, lacquer thinner and he would scrub all the pad, all the marks off his pads. I mean, they always look brand new and, so I, I'm sure a lot of collectors didn't care for that, but, uh, but that <laughs> was his... a photo match that. And yeah, exactly. The the year. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was that guy. He was always kind of cleaning his pads and making changes where he could. So I guess he, really he dealt with the guy directly. Oh, sure. He, he's the one too, that, that w was that during your tenure where his helmet was run over? 
Uh, that was Brian Elliott. Or uh, that's right. I'm sorry. You're right. I, my yep, memory should be better. Yep, that was during my time. Um, <laughs> again, the, the, it's this other guy that, that uh, Bert and I worked with, he, uh, he was always in a hurry. He just, he had no patience for anything. And, um, you know, he, he kind of wore me out sometimes with that, but he, uh, I, I had to take a team over to the Cahokia airport and drop them off one night. And, uh, then we were going to transport all the gear. Cause I think we had a concert in town or something, uh, that night we we're going to transport everything over the mills. So I was like, Hey, you know, I'll drop everything off and then I'll come back and then go over with you and help you set up. He just couldn't wait. And I think it was something like one of our box trucks at the time um, was uh, in the shop or whatever, I think is what would happen. And so all he had was his personal truck and uh, he just, he, for whatever reason, just refused to wait. So he loaded up, you know, four goalie bags of gear and a couple other things. And he shoved them in the back of his truck and didn't have a, you know, a camper shell or tunnel cover or anything on it. And uh, just, I guess thought it was going to make its way there. And so he's driving on the highway, going out to the mills and he gets a phone call from Max LaPierre. And he's like, Hey, why is our uh, hockey gear on the side of the highway? And he <laughs> then looked back and realized that the bags had blown out. And so uh, I think there was two bags that blew out of the back. Um, one of them was untouched. The other one got smoked a couple times uh, by some cars. So I remember we had a set of pads. I think they had some tire marks on them um, and then a pair of skates that got clipped. They ended up being okay. Um, and then obviously the famous goalie mask that was smashed in half. And uh, I, the look on his face uh, when he had that mask, because that was during a run where, where Moose was on a hot streak. And he I remember was, that. Yeah, he was really particular with his stuff. And, I mean, he was super routine, nicest, coolest guy in the world. But, man, on game days, you almost couldn't talk to him, man. He was so dialed in. And uh, I I thought he was going to punch this guy in the face. Like, oh, he was geez. so pissed. And uh, so he had to wear his backup mask. Uh, thank God uh, we uh, had his backup mask in the other bag that didn't get hit. Otherwise, he would have had to wear like just a stock mask or something. I mean, it would have been and really, that, really bad. Yeah, when it's fitted to you and all that, and you, you yeah, set up for you going to a yeah. stock thing. I could imagine. Yeah, luckily we had a really good relationship with the painter. Um, we kind of helped get his start in the NHL, uh, Headstrong Graphics, and uh, he he whipped one up for us pretty quick. And uh, I think he might only played a game or two in, in that other mask, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I that hung around for quite a while and. I know um, it's still in the area. Somebody... One of the local collectors uh, yeah, yeah, area yeah. still has it. Yeah. So <laughs> that I think showed up on NHL auctions. Everybody's like, yep. holy hell, I can't believe it's out there. Yep. I still have pictures of it somewhere. Just it's just, I mean, it's completely flat. It's it's hilarious to look at. But um, you know, I don't know, it was one of those kind of karma things for him. You know, just like, you know, just kept telling, him, hey, just slow down, take your time, like ask for help and uh, he just he wanted to rush all the time. That wasn't my jam, but and he know, paid for it. What happened? <laughs> he yeah. I mean that's unfortunately that's kind of stuff that happens when you rush around like that. So any any other oddball things like that that have happened or or gear not? I know you guys are are super sharp about that stuff, but gear yeah. showing up missing or or players giving away gear that they shouldn't have been giving away. Things like that. Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, I remember Roman Pollock came back from, uh, I can't remember if it was a start of the year or if he went over to the worlds or, you know, something like that. And I know he came back and had a, I think a dozen or two dozen sticks that went missing. Um, I, apparently the guys at the airport, you know, were bad about stealing those and reselling them. And, um, so I remember that happened to him at one point. Uh, I, I think, um, I'm going to say Yaskin maybe it showed up one point or, or one of the Russian kids or something and their stuff was, you know, they're missing their skates or bags didn't show up. And, Jeez. you know, luckily we always had something floating around that, you know, we could improvise with. We had piles of stuff in the back that you could usually get by with. Um, you know, I I think at one point we had, I had to talk with Vladdy about giving away sticks. I mean, he gives away, he used to give away, I think he still does, but uh, gives away a lot of sticks. You know, so at one point we didn't have many to resell uh, up in the team store because he just kept giving them away all the time, which, you know, he's a super generous guy. Uh, you know, he was really good about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys, Scotty Upshaw, is a guy I always like to 
pocket six where he could for obviously buddies back home or to summer stock or, or whatever. But, um, uh, you know, we had, I remember, um, uh, nail Yakupov his last year, we kind of, kind of knew he, he wasn't going to be around a whole lot longer mm-hmm. in the league. And, um, I remember at one point, uh, he, he was a great, he was a really, really good dude, super funny. And him and I kind of hit it off a little bit and he used to come give me a list, uh, every game. And it was just a list of, you know, three to, you know, maybe even six guys sometimes of, Hey, I want a stick from all these guys. And he was collecting sticks from, from other guys and he was sending them back home because he kind of knew he was kind of at the end of his, uh, NHL time there. So uh, a couple little things like that, but nothing too out of control. And I guess that's another thing is, did you run across many players that collected either other players, uh, yeah. sticks or, or jerseys for that matter? I know there's a few guys that oh, collect yeah. their own and collect other people's. Yeah, I, I know. I think the most famous one now that everybody's probably Ovechkin has a, a pretty oh, God, that, awesome that stick collection. Insane. Yeah, it's like, you know, I love sticks. That's my thing. Um, I've collected sticks since I was a kid. Um, sticks, I've got some gloves, uh, mostly Brett Hall stuff. Um, but yeah, he, I know he had a pretty, a pretty good collection. Uh, Yakupov did, um, actually my, my cousin is Clayton Keller plays for the coyotes. Uh, he kind of got into sticks a little bit. So I helped him out. I got a few for him as a kid. I think, uh, I think he's grabbed a few during his time. Um, I don't think people are going to tell him no now that he didn't uh, no. get a name for himself. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, he was pretty good about, uh, you know, about trying to, get sticks when he could or whatever. I, I didn't get him a ton. I, I remember I got him a Patrick Kane and I think I might've got him a Crosby or something at one point, but um, yeah, I mean, otherwise uh, you'd have guys, a lot of guys ask for charities, you know, stuff back home, sure. um, you know, maybe their kids or whatever. Um, I actually, I think the coolest one during my time was probably uh, Zidane Chara had just won the hardest shot competition with the 108.8. And uh, I remember Al McKinnis came in at one point and ask if he could get a stick from Chara. And uh, I can't, I don't know if it was actually for him personally. I don't know that it was, I think it might've been for a charity. So I went in, I said, you know, Hey Z, uh, you know, Al would like to uh, stick if, if that's cool. And he's like, like Al, like Al McKinnis, like he, he was blown away. I was like, yep, that Al McKinnis. And he goes, I, I will sign one for him if he signs one for me. And I'm like, you know what? Funny you say that. Um, cause his equipment guy goes, I, I highly doubt Al McKinnis has sticks lying around. I said, believe it or not, we have like two dozen in the back still. We had just a bunch of his, <laughs> wow. his old Sherwoods just still in the back for whatever reason had been there forever. And, uh, so he signed one to Al and, and Al signed it. Um, uh, you know, pardon my French, but 108.8, holy shit. Keep shooting, you know, you know, big Al or whatever he signed That's it. Awesome. He thought, he thought that was the coolest thing ever. So uh, that was pretty cool to see somebody like that get so, you know, geeked out over oh, another yeah. stick. I, that's, that's super cool. So um, yeah, but I had a lot of guys, you know, I, um, you know, not, not with the blues, but I remember Malkin one year was having a hard time scoring and he was going to every city and he would find, you know, I, I can't remember. I think he's left-handed or whatever. Yeah. And he, he'd go find like the, a left-handed guy from their team. And I remember like Vladdy was our guy and, you know, Hey, give me one of Vladdy's sticks. Uh, and he's like, okay. And he goes, sign. no, he doesn't want it signed. And he would like tape it up and go out and play with it. Wow. And he just, I, I can't remember whose uh sticky ended up with that year. Um, he ended up playing with one for quite a while, I think. And, and I think at the end of the day, I ended up going back to his own stick, but, but yeah, he was trying out sticks like crazy at one point. It was, it was pretty wild. So that's crazy. And collectors will catch yeah. that when you see like the pictures of the stick racks, yeah. like, why is yeah. his number written, but it's this player's name. Yep. And I know Kelly chase always used Brett Hall sticks, you know, just, of course he, he did. Yeah. He, you know, he never, uh, I guess he didn't want to tape up sticks. You know, as the story goes, he, he, uh, he just always got used to using Holly's pattern. So he just come grab whenever he played with the, the day before. And so Chase would use a bunch of his sticks. So I think there's a good handful of them out there. I've seen that have 39 on the knob or, you know, something like that. So. That's, that's fun. And knowing Chase yeah. doesn't surprise me either. That yeah. yeah. <laughs> since theirs two are so close yeah. I guess as, as an equipment guy too, as, as we're wrapping up the season, we're in the playoff mode now, how did a season start for you? And then how did a season kind of wrap up for you as an equipment guy? Um, well, uh, we weren't, we weren't going super deep in the playoffs there for a couple of years. So, um, you know, I had a couple months, uh, you know, we were kind of off essentially, 
Um, and then we kind of take turns going to and from the mills uh, with guys. And then uh, kind of really once August 1st hit, you're kind of like almost like every day you're back in the, in the rink again, um, you know, maybe take weekends off or something, but uh, you know, we would start early. Uh, I always went with the guys up to Traverse city for our rookie camp. Um, so, you know, we were sewing laundry bags every day and just starting to piece together stuff for those guys uh, cleaning out the back storage room. You know, you get new apparel every year, Adidas come in or, you know, whoever it was, Reebok. Um, and you kind of got rid of the old stuff, bring the new stuff in. So a lot of organizing and cleaning. Um, and then just slowly guys would be trickling in until uh, really around, I guess it was around like September 9th, 10th, 11th. We would usually leave to go up there. Um, so I would spend a week up there with those guys. And then uh, we have Bert and, and our other guy uh, and, you know, every, whoever else we'd have in sometimes helping, maybe the guys from Peoria or Chicago would be in helping out. Um, and then we'd come back and we'd pretty much start camp the next day and uh, to go through training camp. And, and, you know, that's honestly the most stressful time of the year. I think for us, um, it's just a lot going on. I, I think we'd have like 55 guys in camp sometimes, and it's just, it's a lot of moving guys around to and from rinks. Uh, you know, we'd have, one game of Scott trade versus Columbus, another game in Columbus at the same time. So you got to coordinate two guys go here, two guys go there and making sure you're sending the right guys gear off with, you know, the right teams and, um, you know, a lot of laundry, a lot of laundry. I, I mean, imagine thousands of towels and, you know, so, um, that, you know, start of the year was definitely the most stressful. And then you get into start of the season, um, I'd say the first like month you're kind of dialing guys stuff in and figuring out what their what their uh, stuff is, um, you know, new players, what their tendencies are, their superstitions and all that. And then once you kind of get through the first month, you're kind of just smooth sailing from there. Um, then it's just a matter of just making sure, you know, guys have what they need throughout the year and then uh, and then playoffs hit. And that's like a whole nother can of worms. I mean, it's you know, we always joke because it's, it turns into secret squirrel, you know, everything's a secret and, you know, everything's, uh, you know, hidden and the visiting teams are coming in and, and I would go hang out in the visiting room a lot of the time with the guys and, uh, you know, the other equipment guys, and all of a sudden you can't really talk to them anymore. And, you know, you can't go in their room and you can't do this and you can't do that. And not know who's hurt or who's sore. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. You know, they were real goofy about that stuff and everything was just a big secret all the time. And, so I didn't particularly care for playoffs uh, as far as that goes. You know, I, it's just, I, I was a social butterfly. I like to kind of talk with all those guys and um, you had to kind of pipe down a little bit when you, when you get to that and everybody takes it, everything a little more serious and, you know, a loss instead of some guys just blowing it off. Now it's guys get super frustrated and they're angry and complaining about stupid stuff. And so it was a kind of a high stress uh, time and, but, you know, when you won, man, it was that was fun. You know, I funny. I just had a, a thing pop up on my time hop on Facebook. Uh, I think it was this morning from uh, when we finally beat Chicago and St. Louis and moved on. And I think the me and and one of the medical guys, uh, Chris Palmer, or other equipment guy, you know, in a hug on the bench, just screaming our our, our brains out. And I think the post dispatcher ever caught a good picture of it. And uh, that was, you know, that was a fun time. That was uh that was good. Primetime Blues and Blackhawks. Yeah, uh, man, I, it was so much fun. I miss that a lot. And then, uh, and then, unfortunately, you know, we lose out, and you uh, you kind of go home and you take everybody's stuff. And you, it's kind of a normal night when you get back, and then kind of huddle together and okay, what do we do now? And you get in the next day and you kind of start cleaning everybody's stuff out. And uh, you know, within a couple of days, uh, guys are coming in for their exit meetings and you pack them up with uh, whatever they need for the summer and send them on their way. And and then uh, you spend another week or two kind of cleaning up and then you kind of have some time off for a couple of weeks. So. And I guess that's a question. So when, when the players, if you know, they're coming back for next year, they're on contract, whatever you're setting them up with, with make sure they got gloves and helmet and just all yeah. their equipment to get them through the summer. Cause we're yep. the heck they're headed off to if they're not local or not staying. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had uh, for the most part, you send guys off with, you know, a dozen or so sticks, um, you know, if guys got sample gloves or sticks, whatever their skates are going to try for the summer, you'd send them off with that. Um, you know, sometimes guys would just take it some guy, sometimes you have to ship it somewhere for them. Um, you know, and then it, it got less and less. Um, 
you know, towards my last couple of years there, and I, I'm sure nobody does it now, but I, mean, I remember guys like Jason Arnott and I mean, even Jackman and stuff that would come in and, uh, you know, end of the year, you go have her stuff packed up. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it in August, you know, and they <laughs> just taking the summer <laughs> off literally wouldn't see them until August. They'd come in, they grab their, you got my gear in the back and, you know, you pull it out and that was the old school, you know, guys just let their bodies rest and recover. And, um, you, you don't really see that anymore. Now it's, it's year, it's a year round job, sure. honestly. So Take a couple of weeks and then you're right back at it. Uh, if that, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard stories from other guys, guys skating within a couple of days and it's wow. just no break and you're just, you're there all summer long. So it's, it's funny watching the progression of how that and talking to other guys that have yeah. played in the NHL at different times. Uh, so, so once the season wraps up, were you always, were you involved in the, like planning for the equipment sales or getting that stuff together? Um, yeah, actually that's kind of how um, I kind of started a little bit with the team. Uh, Bird had asked me at one point to, when I was with the bandits to help uh, and, and working with Johnny Max um to help out with a couple of the equipment sales uh when they were at the mills that little uh party room there oh yeah um and uh a big jim creighton i think was doing those at the time for a long time so i uh, was around for some of that and then uh i, I can't remember um like it might have been my first or second year maybe um i kind of came in and i i want to say we were you know we were making okay money but i didn't you know, my retail side kind of kicked in and I'm like, man, we should be making a lot more money with this. Um, we just weren't getting rid of stuff. I feel like stuff wasn't priced to move. Some of it was a little obnoxious. So um, I kind of, the one year kind of got free reign to come in and price what I thought would sell. And uh, that was the first year we did a lot of like, you know, three for one deal. Every stick was like a hundred to 150 bucks, maybe at most. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of stuff signed back then. Like it was kind of rare to have stuff actually signed. Um, and, and it was like, you know, two for one or three for one deals, uh, goalie pads. We, I think we dropped those down to oh, six, 800 bucks. It was, it was reasonable. People could afford it, you know? And, and then a lot of people were buying that stuff really it wasn't even so much collectors, but it was people wanting to wear it. Yep. Um, and we, I, I'm not going to throw out what we made that year, but we made, we got rid of like almost everything. Uh, it was a significant number and I can't tell you how many people reached out and were like, man, that like the pricing was awesome. You know, I got this, this, and this, and the selection was good. Um, so then the next year they kind of let me do the same thing. Um, and that was the year we changed the pants. We used to have those stripes down the front of the pants, you oh, know, yeah. with the, uh, jersey. So we got rid of those and man, we had a lot of stuff that year. Um, we were, that could have possibly been the first year or maybe the second year we did it down at sky trade on the ice level oh that and was man, a fun had, scrambling yeah. down the stairs to get to the yep. level that was uh that was nuts i mean it, we had lines i mean that was crazy um, and we always had a pretty good line and stuff at the mills but i remember that year we had so much gear i mean it took me a good couple of weeks uh, you know planning all that and i think that was the year we had like the 15 plus sets of pads for yarrow too and just thousands of sticks and gloves and I mean, you name it. And uh, we got rid of a ton of stuff that that was the while I was there or around, um, to my knowledge, that was the the biggest year we had ever had at the sale. And then, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, someone in uh, the front office decided that they were going to start selling more um, autograph stuff and kind of letting the, the team store upstairs handle it. And uh, the prices were, in my opinion, double from what I saw uh, on a lot of stuff that following year. And it didn't seem like there was a lot of stuff that wasn't signed. Um, I know they told, they came to us and we had piles of stuff and we couldn't really just sell stuff the way we used to or, or whatever. Uh, we kind of had to sign everything and send it up. And it, price wise, I felt like it was kind of overkill, but uh, you know, that's above my pay grade. So sure. I don't know and, and I know, that. at least from the collector's side, a lot of us, especially once things were coming to auction, yeah. pushed back and said, hey, don't. Don't. Right. Most collectors don't want to sign. And some do, but we'd, yeah. we'd rather let us make the decision, not you. Yeah. Uh, but you're but you're right that first year on the ice and then and then the the prices were phenomenal because I think there were racks and racks of game jerseys. Right. Yeah. Two, that, 300 yeah bucks. We had, I remember that was one of the first times. uh we went through uh, one of the storage rooms we had to clean out. And I mean, we had so many training cam jerseys. I mean, we were pulling out, 
uh god we had a couple guys i can't remember who it was off the top of my head but like i like found guys like i might have been eric johnson a couple guys just found their rookie jerseys that you know we're like where where have these things been you know they were just sitting in this back storeroom forever you know we had the old uh starter training camp jerseys and yep. you know, the i own a couple and, of those those are yeah I, I actually i'm looking at one of waltz i got right now that he gave to us um so yeah a lot of that stuff that was uh we had a lot of stuff that year so and it's funny, I mean, even still, you know, you know how enterprise is set up and, and yep. how much of that stuff is stored that it still pops up. Uh, what was it? Three, yeah. two, three years ago when they, they threw out, uh, I think the count when we asked somebody in the, in the blues were 700 jerseys they were selling oh God. at that weekend for a hundred bucks a pop. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's funny cause I, I heard, I, I kind of heard stories of this like hidden equipment room, storage room, or all these jerseys, like, I don't know, Brett Hall stuff, whatever it may have been. And I swear I've been in every nook and cranny of that building during my time for whatever. And I never saw that ever. And uh, I, I maybe my last year or the year after, I think it was when I first heard about them actually getting into that and selling stuff. Um, and I, I think I heard, because uh, I want to say there was a Brett Hall jersey or something that may have popped up. Someone might have shared, uh, I want to say, Grissom maybe had posted it yep. or something. I, and I mean, that was honestly, that was the first time I dove into like equipment groups and stuff um, because I, I was a Brett Hall freak and I, I was trying to uh, I was trying to trade some stuff to get some uh, more Brett Hall gear and, you know, just uh, kind of dial in just nothing but Brett Hall and Clayton Keller stuff <laughs> at that point. So um, yeah, that was the first time I'd really ever, knew that that was actually a real thing was that storage room. I'd heard rumors about it, but I honestly never saw it my entire time there. Oh, and I, and I think it was, it was 2016, 2017. It may have been right after you left uh, looking at the timing. Yeah. It's one of the season ticket holder, like preview nights, somebody went into one of the stores and there was a grant Fuhrer. There was all these, the clown style jerseys I heard that. players for 75 yeah. to like 200 bucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was uh, the year after I left. Uh, they all had those in there. And because I, I was, someone called me and told me about it. And I must say one of my buddies had bought a jersey and sent me some pictures. And I was like, where did you find that? And he's like, man, they're in the team store. I, I didn't believe him because I, I didn't even know that stuff existed. So, well, And at the pricing level, because, I mean, a, a grant yeah. shouldn't sell for no. 75 bucks, even if it was no. a, an issued or he wore it for 20 minutes right. just because of who it is. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I, I guess from the equipment side of things, and, and again, you, you have some collector experience as well. Are, are the, the tracking, the marking, the documenting of game worn jerseys, even on the radar of equipment guys in reality? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we just, there's probably, there's probably a couple cases where, you know, we didn't get set tags and stuff right away. Um, you know, maybe you get a guy in a trade or call a guy up and, you know, you have a, maybe just make a name plate or something that day. I mean, it was like crazy rare, uh, but the, you know, Bert was always good about going back and getting set tags, putting that stuff. They would send it back to Levy and they would get it put in like the next day or something. Um, yeah, I, we were, I think we were pretty good about getting stuff labeled and, um, uh, you know, stick wise gloves, you know, I, that was never really like, I, I mean, I never thought about that stuff really, you know, it was just, we put it in the sale, you know, it wasn't sure. until, like I said, really my last year and then more so ramped up the year after I left where they really started getting into the collector stuff. Um, so and it was like the back half of my last year is when they said, Hey, we need to get more sticks to sell. And, you know, and that was kind of really the biggest thing was sticks, gloves, maybe some helmets, um, maybe a few pair of skates. You know, we never really have like shin pads or anything. I don't know if anybody. And that was always pads, one but... of the weird things is even going to the equipment sales where you guys are blowing that stuff. And I'm a guy too, that there's certain yeah. things I'll buy to play in because I, yeah. I play both goalie and forward and there's other stuff. Yeah. You know what? I hang that on the wall, but the, it is, at least for the blues, that kind yeah. of stuff, the, the, the shin guards, the, the elbow pads, the shoulder yep. pads, you never really saw. Was there a reason nope. just that, well, that those didn't come up? Because, um, and I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm one to talk here. Uh, I, you just don't get rid of that stuff. I mean, I've had my same Jofa shin pads since I was 16, 15, 16 years old, I think. 
Um, uh, I think I got a, a second pair of them at one point and never even wore them. Um, you know, it was just, uh, that's one of those pieces of guys just don't change elbow pads. I mean, God, like I like got off the top of my head. You have Jason Arnott, um, uh, Brendan Morrow, uh, Jay Bowmeister, David Perron. I mean, those guys got stuff from like their rookie years and it's got a thousand different chunks of, you know, you could tell what teams they played for. Cause there's a different color material that matches that team's <laughs> uniform on every piece of equipment they have. And, you know, I mean, God, and Jason Arnott, we, I remember laughing one time uh, he came in and we pulled his jock strap out on packing his bag. And I swear this thing was six feet wide. The elastic <laughs> was so stretched out and he had it forever. And, it, you know, he wouldn't stitch it up. He just would fold it into 40 layers and then use clear tape to tape it around his waist. Jeez. And, you know, guys just don't get rid of that stuff. And and when we did like shin pads were probably one and elbow pads. The only time we got rid of them is they were so trashed. They couldn't be repaired anymore. And so we just threw them in the dumpster, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it never occurred to us that people would even want that really because uh, it was just destroyed sure you know but here again in hindsight um i think that's some of the coolest stuff now looking into it, it's like to have a set of elbow pads that were around for almost an entire entire career for some guys that, oh, that's yeah. a rare piece and you know were you there um or had you already left when when they switched from a reebok to adidas um let's see i remember the year that was now uh pretty no that was uh yeah no i was there for that that was my last year i guess i think was our first year that was the huge blowout at least for the the blues equipment sale the gaylord boxes of the reebok practice jerseys for 25 bucks and then we we Uh, also found i I think you guys went deep diving for stuff because there were jamal mayer's gloves there were the the old gear the older leather blues gloves and stuff oh yeah they're like 20 bucks a piece i regret not buying more of that because of of who it was and that type of gear because i'm a a huge gear nerd with that stuff too yeah they actually you know what they might have came i'm sitting here while we're talking i'm looking across at my cousin's jersey from his uh his brief uh stint his first year in his seven games and he's got a reebok jersey so yeah i guess adidas would have came in um in the 17 18 i believe um so so that uh, summer sale would have been to blow yeah. out reebok though yeah that's it yeah so um yeah because then you gotta swap all your you know your shirts and all that kind uh-huh. of stuff that's like a whole you know you get rid of all that kind of stuff um but uh yeah that's yeah that probably came in a year after i guess so and i i guess what are your what are your thoughts on one on the, the more, the better tracking of game worn jerseys and that kind of tagging. Cause I will say even there's a whole year, I think it was seven Oh eight or eight Oh nine. So before you of blue yeah. jerseys, none of them had set tags. There's just oh, wow. numbers written in the size tags uh, in the neck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and I know, think, <laughs> I think that was the year where Reebok did the, the edge one and the edge twos. And okay. Problems, and I think after those initial batch, I need to double check, but but I think that's yeah. what we figured out. But yeah, no set tags for an entire year. Wow. Yeah. Um, I I am not gonna lie. I am so glad I got out when I did because they started the tracking chip in the uh, mm-hmm. shoulder of the jersey, and I, uh, from what I understand, they got to take those out every single night before they do laundry. And man, that is like that adds so much time to you know it doesn't seem like much but when you're sitting there digging that out of every jersey you know a few minutes to us leads to hours sometimes so sure. I, that's a lot of extra work um it is cool how they have that i mean now i, I mean i guess i can pretty much tell you what games they were in and what shift and, and i know at least stuff i think but and i don't know if you've seen any of them for this year the the st louis blues jerseys actually have a, a barcode in the neck there's not at least the beginning of the season there weren't any set stamps in them but a barcode in the neck, and then any when you bought those, it would actually yeah. be a printout of what the games were. But yeah, those I heard the, that. The I just heard tags, that um, that you were talking about too. Several of those have actually hit the hobby. People got game worns at the end of the season; they weren't yeah. removed; they were still in the jersey. Oh wow, that's I, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I want to say the Rangers uh, used to have a barcode system, maybe in their jerseys or. 
and some equipment or something. They were really, really weird about like not giving stuff away. Um, everything had to be accounted for, you know, guys couldn't just like literally walk into the stick room and just grab a stick like they did with us. They had to ask for it from what I have been told. So, um, yeah, it it is, it's cool. Um, now that you can kind of do that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I, I haven't, uh, gotten any gamer jerseys from my cousin yet. Um, I've got some gloves, a helmet, a bunch of sticks and whatnot, but that's something I'm kind of considering getting into now. I just, you know, I don't know. I, again, I'm a Keller guy, so I'm going to, Oh, Probably kind of relation, it helps a little bit there are two yeah, reasons yeah, exactly. to be involved. Now, um, do you have many game worn jerseys and do you have a favorite? I actually don't have a single game. Uh, no, let me double. No, I don't think I have a single game worn jersey here. Um, I never, I've never had a, a game worn one. I don't, not that I can recall. Um, if you could I have did, anybody's, who, whose would well, you have? <laughs> well, so actually. Um, I traded, I want to say I traded a Schwartz helmet maybe and some, and something else, um, uh, got a few years back with, uh, I want to say Wade, maybe, um, I think it was him. He had a Mike Denton game. I want to say it was Dan's, uh, it was the year they did the retro Jersey. Uh, I think it was yeah. his last year playing before he got arrested. <laughs> um, he had that jersey, and I actually was kind of a Mike Danton fan. And oddly enough, uh, I was sitting with Clayton's dad uh, in the uh, the hotel lobby of the Ritz in Arizona before it was games having dinner, and uh, we had just started talking about his past. And he said, "You know," he goes, "You know, he was a big Mike Danton fan as a kid." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, a minute. time out, time out!" Like, <laughs> I never heard this. I mean, I've literally been with this kid, following his career since he was four years old. And I'd never heard this. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I always told him, you know, he'd come out and fly around the ice, you know, really fast. He's like, that's what you need to do. You need to get fired up. And so he always kind of did that as a kid. And I, I never knew that. So I'm like, you know what? I have to have that jersey. So I, I made a trade for him. Like I said, I think it was a shorty helmet, maybe something else too. Um, and I had that jersey for a little bit. And then uh, I was going to get it framed. Oddly enough, um, I know the FBI guys that actually arrested him. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> I, I always thought it'd be cool to get a picture of the, you know, the FBI report or whatever, and put it in with a jersey. But I never got around to it. For I I, I ended up trading it back to him for something uh, else. I, I don't, it might have been a pair of uh, gloves, Brett Hall gloves or something. I'm, I'm not sure even what it was for, but um yeah, just super random, but that was the one game use piece uh, or jersey I think I've actually ever had. And and anybody who doesn't know that story, go look it up. For St. Yeah. Louis Blues fans, we know it well. I oh, regret yeah. I actually had Danton's <laughs> first jersey, his preseason worn through the first okay. set. And in the Blues media guide that year, the hem was flipped up. So it had Migray was doing the jerseys at that time. Yeah. Had the Migray tag, you could see perfectly in the media guide. And I regret selling that years uh -huh. later. But, That's but awesome. yeah, he's one of those those crazy stories I wish I yeah. had again. Yeah. Uh, if you could have anybody else's jersey in the league, past or present, who would you have? Uh, Brett Hall. I mean, it's that's uh, I've had a couple um, come across that I've I've reached out to guys about, but it's unfortunately it was out of my you know price point at that time or whatever. I mean, some a lot of his stuff that I come across is pretty expensive. Um, so unfortunately. Uh, I haven't gotten one yet, but that's my goal is to get a, a hall gamer. Um, so I'm still constantly trying to get sticks when I can. Um, unfortunately with COVID, <laughs> like a lot of people, um, I got sucked back into the world of, uh, hockey cards mm -hmm. and I got, I just, my wife called me one day and she's like, uh, you have a bit of a problem. You know, I just looked at her <laughs> credit card and I, I bought a lot of, of cards over the course of a week or two. Um, but you know, now it, it, when I started collecting, you know, it was there just a regular card. And now it's like you got the jersey pieces and sticks. Oh, and, yeah, I and guess that's, like, a, that's a question yeah. is, is from somebody that's worked in the locker rooms. Does it bother you to see jerseys cut up and put in cards? Oh, my God. It, it You know, honestly, then I, I didn't even really think about it, to be completely honest with you. And now, like, funny, I was looking at today, I was just skimming through looking at some Hall cards, and, you know, there's ones with those gloves, and being a, a Brett Hall glove guy, um, too, I, I see these gloves cut up, and I just, it makes me want to puke, to be honest with you, because um, some of them are hard to find. Um, and, uh, you know, sticks, uh, again, being a big stick, I know he went through a lot of sticks, a lot of guys do, 
but still, just to see him cut up, I mean, it's cool in a way, the way they put him in the cards now. It's really awesome. But uh, the glove one bothers me for some reason. I hate seeing gloves cut up just because, you know. You know there's he, only so many of those out exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, which crazy story I'll share from actually this past week. Um, again, Brett Hall gloves. Uh, my holy grail piece of equipment has always been um, Brett Hall's 1996 all-star gloves uh, that he wore uh, the, I don't know if you remember the Rawlings ones where yes. they were like, Look like the baseball gloves with the red cuff. Yeah, uh, man. That's what I just like got so sucked into gear at that point. And he wore those and I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I have to get a pair of those and you know, they weren't just selling them at a store. And uh, so I, I just, I always thought that was the coolest piece. And I have, I've missed out on those. Oh, five or six times since uh, probably like 2009 um, where again, I just, I was young and didn't have the money at the time or someone outbid me in an auction or whatever. And uh, just recently um, I accidentally stumbled across a pair thanks to one of the blues game worn groups. Um, I, I want to say Brett Hall just had a milestone and someone had said, Hey, let's see your hall gamers. And so of course I'm scrolling through and here's a guy from, I want to say Toronto or something. He posts a picture of these gloves and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I, I messaged him right away. I'm like, are those yours? And he's like, yes. And I gave him this whole background with these and uh, long story short, uh, I, I convinced him to sell them. Um, cause he was one of those guys that just never want to get rid of them, sure. but his price was insane. And, uh, as much as I wanted them, I could have justified paying this price. And, uh, so we've been in contact for about a month or so. And, uh, I, he actually contacted me and said, listen, I got an offer from somebody and I was like devastated. And, you know, here it is again. It's so hard to find these things. I lost out on them again. And uh, so I'm like, hey, man, congratulations. That's an unreal price. He sells them. And uh, my best friend since second day of kindergarten just passed away a little over a month ago. And uh, he's a guy who really got me into ice hockey and everything, too. And uh, a really, really good customer and friend of mine um, reached out to me. And he's he said, uh, hey, man, I got something for you. I'm going to come by the shop. And he came by my shop uh, last week. And uh, he goes, Hey man, I got some for you. He gives me this box. And he said, you know, I, I know you had a rough time lately and uh, you know, you've always been really good to me. And, you know, I kind of helped this guy out with uh, he first came in as a new hockey player mm -hmm. and uh, gave him a lot of pointers. And to this day, you know, we just kind of became good friends. And uh, I opened up this box and he bought these gloves for me. Wow. And uh, I was, dude, I was, I came home <laughs> I was freaking in tears, dude. It was uh, it was the coolest gift anybody had ever given me in my entire life, and I'm like, I'm looking at them right now. It's it's like I still don't believe I have them. It, it's it's uh, mind blowing to even look at these things. So, uh, pretty cool, uh, very <laughs> extremely generous gift from somebody. Uh, I did not deserve that, but I've got my holy grail piece. Hey, uh, and, I, and Sometimes so, you know what they come. Your holy grail comes yeah. in the weirdest ways too. I know, and I and I, I I know people that spend ungodly amounts of money for you know their jersey or whatever they want, and uh, so for someone to like gift that to me is is just it's incredible. So I owe this kid a, a lot. Uh, he's 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 a great great human being. So uh, I'm you very know what? that's and and we ramble on many times on this show is at the end of the day yeah. in the collecting community it, it's it's more about yeah. making friends than the, the right. jerseys or the sticks or whatnot and, yeah. and again that's another right there shows it yeah yeah for sure uh, chad we've covered all kinds of great stuff anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here tonight no not really man it's it's uh it's always fun talking about equipment like i said i'm just I'm an equipment nerd, so I'm I'm still the guy that's uh, I find myself going down and pregame skates now to go watch Clayton or whatever, and I still go down for pregame skate and go right over the bench and look at the stick rack and I'm looking at the guys' gears they're walking down and seeing what's new and I, I'm just I'm always going to be that guy. I just uh, I've got a a thing for equipment for some reason. So and, and you're you are the expert in that your shop. I've of course you're constantly posting about things you're doing in your shop. Tell mm -hmm. people and again anywhere and we have listeners all over the world with yeah. this. 
you do business with people everywhere. They mail you skates. They mail you yep. gloves. Uh, give them your information. I'll make sure we put it with the podcast too. Yeah, it's uh, Skate Tech, Skate Sharpening and Equipment Repair. Um, we're at uh, 204 Scott Troy Road, uh, Suite C in O'Fallon, Illinois, right across from the McKendry Metroplex over here where uh, McKendry College plays. Um, online, uh, www.skatetechsharpening.com. Um, Facebook, Instagram, recently got us on TikTok. We've got a lot of informational videos uh, on uh, on TikTok. Those are blowing up. Um, so yeah, you can find me anywhere. We do pretty much everything. Skate sharpening obviously is our bread and butter, but, uh, profiling, glove repalming. I mean, you name it, we pretty much do it. Anything that we kind of provided to NHL guys, we do at a retail level and we service everybody from, you know, many mites, kids learn to skate to the pros. And I have a lot of the local NHL guys. Um, I've done stuff for guys in Japan, Sweden, Switzerland, uh, Finland, all over Canada, U.S. It, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, you got an equipment uh, piece that you need fixed? Hit us up; we can get it done for you. I, I, Chad, I met you more or less by accident. I knew where your shop was and was passing through to go to the blue store to buy some yeah. stuff, and had a pair of my goalie skates, the the true one pieces that were flaking yeah. off. And you looked at them and said, "Here's what you do. Here's how you get them fixed." Sent yeah. them off to True, and they they took care of me. So I. Oh, yeah. Make sure I keep bringing business to you. And Appreciate it. Um, again, your your knowledge, the stories tonight have been a ball. Thank you so much for yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll do it again sometime. Definitely. Have a fantastic evening, sir. You too, man. Thank you.